up with this scripture from Lamentations chapter 3, uh, verses 22 and 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Father God, we just thank you for your word to us this morning. God, we just ask that uh, you would prepare our hearts. Uh, you've already been doing it. God, we just thank you for this time together. God, just envelop us, speak to us, direct to our spirit. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. So we're going to talk about the past today, and I'm going to start by talking about some tents that we can tend to camp out in when it comes to our past. But just talking about the past is a big thing because all of us have different experiences in life. But all of us have come through, I think, at least four areas of life. And the first thing that's in our past that has the potential to hold on to us is the failure in our own lives. Can anybody relate there? Maybe, maybe a few can get on board with me there. We made a decision, we regret it, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about like a small decision. We made some stumbling steps, and then maybe we just absolutely collapsed. And we said things, and we did things that we regret, that to this day, they still have a mark on our life. They were in the past, but this shame is still in the present. Um, you know, they were in the past, but the guilt is right here, and it's right with us right now. So it's still got a hold of us. We try to push it away. Maybe we prayed a couple of prayers, and we said, God, I think this time I'm going to move through it, but somehow that weight is still holding on. It's still in the story. Another one of the tents that we gather in, the second thing on your notes is when we think about the past is the tent of disappointment. It's, it's that place in life where something or someone let us down. Somebody that we trusted and were counting on walked out the door. Or, or our family that we were depending on for our very livelihood, maybe it became broken and fractured. And someone made a decision to say, you know, hey, I'm going to look out for me and not look out for you. And we're living with a sense of disappointment. Maybe it's a relationship that evaporated or something that you've invested in or, or where you cried out to God and seemingly all those prayers went unanswered. And on earth, it did not resolve the way that you still to this day can make sense of. So watching this gathering, you still don't know what to do. And if somebody were to ask you, where was God in the middle of it? And you're like, you know what? Honest answer, I'm not sure. And I, I know all the right answers. I'm just talking real talk this morning, if that's okay. And, and that moment of disappointment has got a hold on a lot of people. And it's keeping us from living fearless, for sure, and keeping us from living free. And it's keeping us from believing that God has a future for us. Another one, the third one, the tent where we can gather is that place of wounds, where when we think, when we're thinking back through our life, uh, we think there was a, there's a moment in time where someone said something or did something to us that left a mark on our life that injured us maybe mentally or physically or emotionally. There was a wound that came into our life. And again, real talk, we're not just going to try to paste a bumper sticker on that this morning and say, you know, let's just praise God and, and, and shout hallelujah and pretend like it didn't happen. Because for you, it wasn't something maybe even back there. It's something that's right here and right now. And it's, it's in front of you and it feels like the wound still hurts. And the, the enemy has tried to define you by it, potentially. Not to define the person who hurt you by it, but to define you. 
And so we live with this sense of responsibility. Well, I might have done something uh, maybe somehow, uh, and maybe I was the one who was at fault. And it just becomes this vicious cycle that leads us down into nowhere. And here's Jesus this morning saying, look, I'm telling you, I know everybody has a past, but what I would like to talk about is the future. And I know the plans that I have for you, and ultimately they are for good and they're not for evil, and I want to prosper you and not harm you, and I want to give you a hope and give you a future. And I want to show you how we can match that up with a real-world scenario where stuff doesn't go right every time. And sometimes things even go horribly wrong. And a lot of people are living with a wounded past, and it keeps them from flying with Jesus into the future that he has for them. So then I think the last place where we gather around the last tent, if you will, is the tent of loss. And I just want to open up for just a moment. I, I know we don't have time to, to really go deep into that, that honest place together in the short time that we have together this morning. But come on, this message isn't going to work if we don't talk about what's real in our lives. And for a lot of us, there's loss in our past. There's, there's maybe even loss in the, in the recent, you know, the present right now. Stuff that you don't get back, people that are, are gone, things that are gone, dreams that are gone, innocence that is gone. You don't get it back. You don't get a... Uh, you know, go back and rewind and, and get a do-over in that moment. There are things in our lives that have been lost. Um, even this week, you know, in our own family, we have, uh, my daughter Kella has a, a friend, not even a close friend, but a, an acquaintance, a, you know, a friend, 15-year-old friend down in Bayfield, Colorado that lost their lives to COVID this week. And we were mourning and we were grieving that loss as a family on Tuesday. And, you know, so th there's real loss. So, so th there's, if there is loss and if there are wounds and if there is disappointment and if there are our, our own failures in the past, then how can we walk free? And I just thought this is the overarching hope of our story this morning. God has a freedom plan for your life, and he has been working throughout history to announce and to bring you into his freedom plan for your life, and he wants to bring you home to him. Um, he wants to give you peace with him. He wants to give you joy, all the stuff we were singing about this morning. Um, he wants to give you back everything that the enemy has stolen from your life. That's scriptural, and this is God's plan ultimately for every single one of us, and God isn't hung up by the dilemmas in your past. I love in John 4 that there's the story of Jesus coming to the village in Samaria um, called Sychar. And, and when he comes to Sychar, he meets this woman at the well. And if you've been around church, you've been around here, you know the story. You've maybe even heard it a hundred times. If you've not been around church, here's the cultural backdrop. Here's what's happening. The Jewish people really didn't like the Samaritan people and vice versa. There was a cultural and there was this racial clash between the Jews and the Samaritans. So it was a little bit odd that Jesus even had to travel through Samaria. Most Jews wouldn't be comfortable there, and most Samaritans wouldn't be thrilled to have Jews coming through. And so Jesus trumps all that, though, because he loves everyone. And so he's at home everywhere he's in the world. He's got a freedom plan for everybody on the planet Earth. And so he come to set all the captives free, and he sees the, the future for everybody, so he doesn't mind showing up in the rough part of town. And he doesn't mind showing up in the wrong part of town. And so here he comes to Sychar, and he stops at the well, and his followers say, we're going to go into town. And so there he is alone, just a little bit, you know, interesting in the dynamic of the story. His disciples go on. He's there alone. There's, there's a woman there who is Samaritan, and he engages her in conversation. A couple of cultural no-nos already happening all at the same time. 
But Jesus has got a plan. So let's go down to verse 7. It says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. And she says to him, because, you know, she's kind of, you know, worried about what's going to happen here. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? In other words, we shouldn't even be talking. (laughs) And he uses that as an opportunity to begin a life-changing dialogue. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, and you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And she's very smart. She says, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Which makes me think, awesome, we're drinking water now that the flocks uh, and the herds have drank from. (laughs) And he answered her and said, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Okay, so do you want to hear something that's a promise on the table? Jesus says, I can give you something that will trump every thirst in your life. I can give you something that is so satisfactory to the deepest core of who you are as a human being that you will be good if I give it to you, even if you have nothing else. Wow. And she's like, okay, good. I'm down. Let's do it. Right? Here's her words. It says, she says, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have, have to come here to draw water. And he says, great. I want to do that. But before I do that, go call your husband and come back. And she said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one that you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Do you, do you just ever wonder how, how, imagine how Jesus said that, you know? <laughs> Where were the inflections in his voice when he said that? You know, so hello, can you imagine this, this guy, first of all, he shouldn't be talking to me, and I shouldn't be talking to him, but now he's offering me one last trip to the well. I don't have to come all the way down here to the well anymore. I'm to take him up on that. But then, hello, you know all of those guys in my life, and you know, you know about him too. Oh, oh, wow, who is this guy? Who is he? So she does what I would have probably done in this moment. If I was in this situation, she starts scrambling. And she, Jesus looks right through her, but she starts this diversion tactic. This is what she says. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and she goes on. And so she basically says, I have a big question I'd like to ask you. By the way, that's not having anything to do with those things that we just talked about, (laughs) that guy or anything else in my life. And so let's just shift over for a moment. And then she, she asked this question about the place of worship. And then Jesus responds, and he says, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah 
is coming. So you're talking about this thing coming, and I'm leaning in with you. I'm leaning in with you on that. I believe Messiah is coming. Maybe you wouldn't have thought that based on my background, but I'm with you. I do believe that Messiah is coming, and I think that when he comes... He's going to be explaining everything to us, you know, kind of like if I had five husbands and we're living with another and he would explain that all. Oh, (laughs) right? So she starts, she takes a step back and now she's like slowing down and looking at Jesus and he says, I who speak to you am he. It's like Jesus just goes, hi, (laughs) hello. And we know from the story We're going to see it in a moment. Her life changed. Her life permanently, radically, gloriously changed at that well. A woman with five strikes on her way to number six got free from her past. And she is revered as a a martyr, this woman, in the early church because of the influence that she had in, in her life for Jesus Christ. Now, how did she do it? And how do we do it? Well, A, it's in the way that we pray. We talked about that when we were in the first week of this series, when we were talking about doubt. And Jesus said, this one comes out by prayer and by fasting. We lean into who God is and we lean in prayer um, and who God says that we are in him. And we lean in towards God to believe what God says is true about us. And then we fast. So in places and times, we back up from the voice of the world and we back up from what the world says it's going to be like. And we back up from what the world says is true about who we are. And we back up from what the world is telling us that we're going to be able to do in our lives. And this is how we break chains. No magic bullet, no secret seminar. We don't have a little pamphlet that, you know, we're going to have you download. No, this comes from leaning towards God and leaning away from the voice of the world. But there are some ways I think that we can get handles around our past today. And the first one is this, if you're taking notes. If we're going to get free from our past, we have to face up to and embrace our past. And if that sounds counterintuitive, I get it. Because you'd think the message this morning would be, we need to forget about our past. (laughs) No, we don't need to forget about our past because you've already probably tried to do that your entire life maybe to this moment, and that doesn't work. And, 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 and that's not because you're defective and you're forgetting. It's because you can't forget about your past because it's your past. It's your past. It's part of your life and a part of my life. And God isn't rolling into our story to sort of like erase, you know, chapter two of your life and just pretend like it never happened. If we're gonna get free from the past, we have to embrace it and we have to face the past and we have to understand that this is part of my story and it's always gonna be a part of my story. That doesn't mean you have to like it. That's, that's not what we're saying and it doesn't mean that you have to accept the way everything went down. That's not what I'm saying. But you do have to embrace the fact that it is your story and as long as you live on earth and this is gonna be a little curveball, as long as you live in heaven, it's always gonna be a part of your story. So you're like, well, I don't want it to be a part of my story. I'm ignoring that part of my story. I've stuffed that part of my story so far down in a hole, I will never see it again. Well, except for the times that I say every day that I've stuffed it down in a hole and I'll never see it again, (laughs) right? And here's what's happening to us. We try so hard to get away from the past, that when what we're doing is we're entangling ourselves in this cycle of the past, and we try so hard to get away from the guilt and the shame, and we actually go back and do the same thing that we did before, and we feel the guilt and the shame about. So we're talking about how we're going to get away from that. So how do you get free? 
And it's, it's not by saying that it didn't happen. It's not by saying I don't want to deal with it. It's not by saying I'm going to tune that out or zone that out or numb myself to that. It doesn't work. The only way to get free from the past is to stare right at it and to own it. Not responsibility for it unless it's your failure that's in the past and then you've got to own that. But the disappointment, the loss, the wounds, and you've just got to say, hey, this is me. This is my story. I don't necessarily love that, but it's my story. I don't necessarily like that, but it's my story. And once this happens, just stay with me. Stay with me a little bit longer. Once this happens this morning, it's going to set us up to move on into a whole different mindset from our past. But as long as we're afraid of it and trying to avoid it and afraid to talk about it or look at it, then it's going to keep pulling us backwards where God is calling us forward. Jesus could have said to the woman much earlier in the conversation, think about this. He could have said to her, the one who's talking to you right now, I am he, I can give you living water. He could have said that much earlier in the conversation, right? She could have said, sir, I want the water. And he could have said, okay, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one you heard, who you heard about. Um, I'm the fulfillment of, of, of God's purpose and plan. So why did he say to her, I want to do that? But first, I'd love for you to go get your husband. <laughs> I'd love for you to come back and then I'm going to change your life. Why did he do that? Because he knew that she wasn't going to go forward until she went backwards. He knew that in her freedom story, there had to be an embracing of what happened and a freedom from it. So we need to have compassion for people. I cannot imagine... Honestly, what she went through being married to five different guys. I mean, you ever think about that? The toll that was taken on her mentally and emotionally and physically. And God wanted to bring her into the future. But he wasn't going to ignore everything that happened in her past. And you know, <laughs> the, I think a big takeaway for me this morning is this. If you're taking notes, it's right here. It's that God knows everything about your past but he still has a future for you. He knows it all, but he still has a future for you. Our scripture, our word of God, is divided into two sections. Anybody know that already? <laughs> the first section of the Bible is called the Old Testament. You turn the page at the end of, of Malachi and the first word on the next page starts the New Testament. So what we hold in our hands when we're reading scripture is a, is a meta-narrative, if you will, uh, for the work that God does in our lives because God has given us the living truth and the living truth is about moving from the old to the new right? And so he's trying to say to us, the plans that I have for your life are not behind you. The plans that I have for your life are new. And what I'm hoping for in your life is not somewhere back there, but it's, it's to move you forward with me. So now this, honestly, when we open up our scriptures and we see our scriptures as a picture of the old Testament and the old covenant, I should say, and the new covenant in the old days, the priest would sacrifice day after day after day, right? It's, it's, and, and, and in the new covenant, we know the story that Jesus, one man, was a perfect sacrifice for all time and so for all sin. And so there was never to be this sacrifice again. So all the guilt and all the shame and of all the people and all the ages is now finished and done. So the old way was to approach God day after day and day after day. And you've got to keep on doing that ritual thing and keep on going back to it. And the new way to approach God is that it's already been done. 
It's already been done for us. You're just walking in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Old way, new way, old covenant, new covenant, Old Testament, New Testament. So our story, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. So God is about moving us forward. But he always recognizes what was before. He helps us understand what was, and he also wants us to get a clue into what was so that we can really appreciate what is, (laughs) what's happening now, and what is to come. And if you're living in the old, then you're missing out on the promise that God has put in your hands right now. But the starting point this morning is to face and embrace the past. Here's the second thing on your notes I think that's helpful for me is to constantly consider the cross of Christ. Do you want to get free from the past? You must come to terms with the cross. You're like, oh, I I believe in that. You know, I I actually have one on a necklace that's around my neck. I've got an embroidered one on my pillow at home. I get the cross. I believe in it. I've accepted Jesus, right? I'm I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is I'm talking about the understanding of the power of the cross. I'm talking about meditating on it. I'm talking about a deep dive. I'm talking about not taking my eyes off of it. It's, it's the main thing in our playbook, right? If we're thinking about last week, he is my rescue. This is where it all comes to. I'm talking about soaking in, you know, the power of the cross and letting it soak in me that he's my rescue. I'm talking about coming to a full grasp as much as possible on this earth, all of what was on that cross and seeing your past on the cross. Do I believe in getting help from people to help you navigate your past? I do. Do I, do I believe that God could use the medical community to help us with things that we've experienced in life? I do. But I don't think that any of us are ultimately going to get fully free unless we constantly consider the cross of Christ and understand that our past is on that cross. And we say, what, what do you mean by that? I mean all the shame that's holding you back right now, picture it on that cross. All the guilt that's got a grip on you is on that cross. The knife that got stuck in your back and has got you stuck in life is on that cross. It's all on the cross. The anguish that we've experienced, the sense of abandon, the sense of separation, the pain, the agony, the abuse, the death, all of it is on the cross. Hello? I, everything that I've done is on the cross, amen? But everything that's been done to me is also on the cross because, because there's, that's somebody else's sin. It's also been paid for on the cross. <laughs> and so it's all there. And the son of God that's hanging there, and he's hanging there abused, beaten, and forsaken. He was sold out, betrayed, crucified, cursed, and dead. So when we say, I'm living in this tent of disappointment from my past, or a tent of loss, or a tent of wounds, or a tent of failure, guilt and shame, Jesus is like, tell me about it. Can you imagine all of that falling on me on the cross? And when I see that on the cross as the finished work, it catapults me out of my past. Not forgetting about, it just catapults me out of the past and into something more glorious, into something very glorious. And it lifts my view up from myself up to something triumphant that is right in front of every single one of us this morning. To get free from our past, here's the next thing on your notes, we have to take a moment right now and go into our future to grab hold of the future as believers. 
And we can do that because of Revelation 5. Thank you, John, for going up into heaven uh, on the Lord's day in the spirit and taking good notes. <laughs> You're like, well, I don't really read Revelation a lot. It's full of weird things. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. Um, but here's the thing. That's because heaven is hard to explain, right? Because it's not like going to Denver, Colorado. <laughs> it's not like driving down the freeway and going, you know, oh, what a beautiful sunset. We've all seen what a beautiful sunset looks like. So this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 2.9. It is written what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So it can be pretty hard to comprehend. So if, you know, you think, well, there's an angel on the pillow, like I've seen that in cartoons. Well, you know, you need to jettison that idea pretty quick because heaven is a mind-boggling experience. And John A., in this picture here that we're about to read, he's flat on his face because it says he saw the glorious risen Jesus. So don't get ready when you get to heaven to just do a high five and a bro hug. You know, fist bump, Jesus, I've been waiting for this moment. No, John was on his face. He was face down. I, and, and he's thinking, I, you know, I had no clue. I can't even put my eyes on you. Even here in heaven, I can't put my eyes on you. And he's down on the ground. And the angel says, hey, can you take good notes of everything that you see up there and send it back to the people? Because they have some past, that, some things that they need to get free from. And so to get free from the past, we have to jump into what we see in the future. And thankfully, we can do that. In chapter 4, we see the throne of God. And in chapter 5 in Revelations, we see a dilemma. In the right hand of the one that is sitting on the throne is a scroll, written front and back, and it's sealed with seven seals. But no one can take it, and no one can break it, and no one can open it. And that's a problem because it's the unfolding of the end of the ages. It's the climax to God's redemptive salvation plan. It's the end of the story, and it's the way that he's going to banish Satan into hell for us and lift us up into a place with no more tears and no more death and no more sorrow and no more sickness and no more pain. And it's in this scroll, but nobody can open it. And everybody is weeping because there's a story, but nobody can open the story. And so there's a victory coming, but nobody can unlock it. Nobody has the key. And so there's this pause in heaven. And then someone steps forward. And we see that happen in verse 6. And it says, And then I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. Are you catching the past tense terminology there? It had been slain. Let's drop down to verse 7. And it says, The lamb came and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Now, we know this because it says, let's back up to verse 5. It says in verse 5, one of the elders said to me, he's talking to John, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that we can open, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And so now he emerges... And when he does, the angels bow down, the elders bow down, the living creatures fall down. And they said, at verse 9, they sang a new song. Hello? This is what's happening in heaven right now. They're saying to Jesus the Lamb, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, for every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. Hello? Anybody else in that company right now? He's talking about you. He's talking about you. Let's walk through it. Were you bought with his blood? 
He purchased you by his sacrifice. Is that you? Were you one of those now who's been made a priest of God? Hello? Here's what's going to be true of you. It says they will reign on the earth. So we're not talking about a hypothetical here anymore that, that you know, God can take the past and kind of catapult us out of the past into a glorious future. We're talking about a real person right now. His name is Jesus Christ, and he's standing in the center of the throne where he takes the scroll and he breaks the seals. Everybody falls down, and a brand new song in heaven emerges. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. That's not new news. Because when he reached out to take the scroll, you could see the nail scars in his wrists. If you're saying, can we just get over that part because we're in heaven right now, let's go right straight to the gold and the, the glassy seas and the angel chorus. You know, we're all redeemed, we're all alive, and, and we're all free. So why do we need to keep on going back to the blood and back to the slain and back to the sacrifice? Because it's the past of Jesus that catapults us into the present that Jesus had for us. And even in heaven, we celebrate the wounds of Jesus' past as the way that he's become worthy to open up the culmination of God's salvation plan into the future. He was worthy and he is worthy. Worthy is the lamb who was slain because you purchased us with your blood. That's how Jesus gets to take the scroll and break the seal. It was all the abuse and the wounds and the abandonment and the separation and the darkness and the anguish of that moment on the cross that delivered him up out of the grave and brought all of us out of the grave. <laughs> it's the fact that Jesus overcame the past that lets me know that I'm going to be able in him to overcome and go into the future. And I love that how... Our story in heaven, it's not going to be a story of, you know, oh, we're in heaven now. Uh, you know, there's a, just, a, it's just a new story starting. It's, we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking to each other in heaven, I believe. You know, what did you overcome? I'm telling you, you know, when, when, when I met Jesus, let me tell you all the things that he overcame in my life. And, you know, that's incredible. Let me tell you about, you know, what he overcame in my life. You know, we overcame a, a cancer diagnosis. You know, we overcame losing people that we love. I overcame, you know, a tragic accident. I overcame, you know, getting abandoned. We overcame abuse in our family. We overcame addiction, an addiction lifestyle. We overcame that worldwide pandemic in 2020. In our family, we overcame so much. And God brought us through it. And here we are. And this doesn't just happen by us rallying around and trying to hype it up. You know, this happens this morning. It's when we lock our gaze on the cross of Jesus Christ and say, my past is on that cross. And that cross has canceled out all of the power of sin and darkness. And the, the, the message over it and over me is it is finished. It is a finished work. Everything in the past and everything it's, you know, it's trying to tell me about the future, it is finished and it is finished now and I am free to receive from Jesus what he has for me and what he's speaking over life beginning right now. I think the third thing that helps us is that we simply remember and we remind ourselves that we walk with a God who every single day is writing a new chapter of our story. The scripture says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You know the best thing about the past? 
It's in the past. <laughs> you made it. You, you, you made it through more than maybe you ever thought that you could make it through. And you made it all the way to here. And by the grace of God, we're all in the house of God, in the places that we're gathering this morning, through the abuse and through the wounds and through the disappointment and through the loss and the failures. They're all in the past. And that means you made it. <laughs> and you made it. Because every day, God turns the page, and every day, his mercy comes, and every day, he takes up his pen to write the story of your life, and we've got to remember that we're not walking with a God who wants to take us back to five busted marriages. We're walking with a God who wants to give us living water so that we won't thirst anymore. He knows about all the, all the busted marriages. He knows about the other guy, too. But he's still saying to us, I've got life for you, and I have freedom for you, and I've got purpose for you, and I have a plan for you. And it's just remembering that today, God turns the page. And we, can we just say, honestly, today, on some of those pages, death is going to be on some of those pages. And loss is going to be on some of those pages. And pain is going to be on some of those pages. Disappointment, um, from an earthly point of view, is going to be on some of those pages. But because it's because we're living on a broken earth. My, my, we talked about my daughter, you know, who lost a friend this week. And we mourn that loss. But get this, every single day and every single morning and every single evening he turns the page again with new mercy with new mercy with new mercy with new mercy he's still got the pen of your story in his hand and lastly I'll just say I think that a helpful thing in moving away from the chain of the past is to use our past as fuel to defeat the enemy's works of our life and the lives of others now <laughs> it's us saying, you know, I, I know I, I, I put that past in the closet and that door's been closed for a long time. I mean, I shoved that thing down, you know, an elevator hole, you know, 50 floors down and it ain't coming back again. Except for, you know, each time every day that I remind myself that I put it down in the elevator hole and put it down 50 stories and I <laughs> bring it back up. Here's the thing about God. God is a redeemer. And he takes what the enemy uses against us, and he uses it against the enemy. But he'll only do that if you let him. And I believe you'll only truly get free if you're willing to use your past and use your story and don't hide from it. Well, I don't want anybody to know about that. <laughs> you know, that was way back when I was in college and I had a different friend group. That was before I got married, and my wife doesn't even know, or my husband doesn't even know. My coworkers certainly don't know, and they would never need to know that, and that's just another chapter of my life, and I moved on from that, and that's in the past, and, and I'm now I'm a respected business person, you know, or a respected business owner, or a respected businesswoman, or I'm a respected member of my community, and you know, we just don't need to bring all that up again. And there's some things that maybe, honestly, don't need to be fully disclosed to everybody. We wouldn't, we would under, I think we would all understand the wisdom in that. But there's, there's a lot that you've come through that God wants to use. And it's in you using it that you're actually going to continue to experience the freedom from it. Because you're going to be on top of it now, and it's not going to be on top of you. You're going to be taking the blows and using them to kick 
the hell out of hell, <laughs> if you'll let me say that. <laughs> Instead of the enemy using the blows to keep pushing you down further into despair. And it's that willingness to say, God, just take it and use it. I love how John 4 ends, going back to John chapter 4. After the disciples come back, there's some conversation, and then it drops down to the very last part of the chapter, and it says in verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony, because of her story, because of her freedom story. What was her testimony? He told me everything I ever did. (laughs) That's it. So let's just say I bring somebody up today. I'll call you, one of you up, you know, from the, the, the audience. And, you know, we'll, we'll call her name uh, Carrie. And, you know, she's going to come and share her testimony. Carrie, everybody, welcome Carrie, you know. And, and she gets up here and she says, yeah, um, here's my testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Thanks. <laughs> and walks off the stage. <laughs> That's the testimony time. And you're like, what kind of testimony is that it's a testimony of a woman who obviously got transformed because many people in town believed in Jesus because of her. It's a testimony of a woman who didn't have to tell everybody about her past because everybody in the town already knew about her past. It's a testimony of a woman who said, this man Jesus knew it all, but instead of judging me and condemning me for my past, he called me into my future This man knew everything that I had done. Some of you, what's keeping you from coming to Jesus is you're afraid of what's going to happen when he finds out everything that you've ever done. And it's going to be amazing. Let me tell you, it will be amazing as soon as you come towards Jesus and he says, hey, you know, before we finish all this, I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to cover you and I'm going to heal you. I'm going to give you life. I'm going to come and make your heart my home and I'm going to come to change your life and I'm going to make you a daughter of God. I'm going to bring you a brand new spiritual life. But... Before we do that, can we just talk just for a minute about this big, giant chain that's been on your life called the past? I want to talk about, you know, Jimmy for a minute because you've been stuck there for, what, seven years? I want you to know something. Jimmy's in the past. (laughs) And I'm calling you into the future. I'm calling you to step forward with, will you trust me? Will you grab hold of my, let's go somewhere. So I know about Jimmy, don't worry. I've always known and I loved you anyway. Listen, I kicked down a wall for you. I kicked down doors for you anyway. I, I climbed a mountain for you anyway. I tore down every lie for you anyway. I knew it all and that's why I went to the cross for you. And I'm inviting you out of your past and into something new. He told me everything I've ever done. And then he told me that he had a future for me. He's Jesus. And when this happens, something inside clicks and we're like, wait a minute. I didn't like the past, but I'm going to take it. I'm going to let God use it to bring the freedom to somebody else who's in the same hell that I was in. I'm going to ask the band to come up to the stage now. We're going to close in a few more minutes. God called me into ministry when I was pretty young. And as a teenager, I already felt like 
God was leaning and directing me into long-term ministry. And I had a, a great childhood with amazing parents who worked hard and provided for me in ways that I never lacked. And I've been so blessed. I mean, so blessed. Like many of us, though, there are things in our past that we're not proud of. And so um, I, was, I was bullied pretty intensely in my middle school years, and that led to me acting out in some um, inappropriate ways. And I, I, I struggled with my self-worth a lot. I felt ugly. I did, I did things for laughs, which ended up getting me uh, temporarily suspended from the Christian school that I was attending. And I can still remember coming home to my mom in tears, which made me turn a repentant heart pretty quickly. I, I never wanted to hurt her like that again. Anyhow, it was from those experiences in middle school and on into high school, I had this kind of this long time struggle and an unhealthy fear of man not being good enough and always working harder to achieve and always striving for perfection. And, you know, Jesus brought me to my knees at a, a youth conference. It was later in that fall, and I, I committed to serve him with my life. And, and, and for almost two decades, God put me in front of countless students who had gone through many of those same struggles. I was a youth pastor and in, in youth ministry and next-gen ministry for for almost two decades, and Jesus brought me out, and he called me by my name, and when he did, there was a handful of people that would have probably known about that at the time, my family, the kids, and the youth leaders on that trip, and that's about who would have known, and God lifted me out, and he's still lifting me out, and I, I, I could have just kind of closed that door. I could have just, you know, closed other doors to my past, but then I started realizing that I've got an option here. I can, I can just close that door and pretend like it never happened. Let's don't talk about that because that's kind of embarrassing. Or I could stand on a platform where people expect bulletproof and say nobody's bulletproof and a herd is real. And, and bullying stinks <laughs> for a lot of people and for a lot of students and for a lot of young people. But none of it is bigger than Jesus. And I've been able to say that too. And over the years with the platform that God gave me, I was able to speak and share in our, our Foursquare and our district camps and youth groups for a period of about nine years to around a couple thousand students or more. And I pray to God in some way that by his spirit and work through the cross of Christ, I want to keep on serving and keep on helping somebody by taking what could have just pulled me back and kept pulling me back, and even now sometimes keeps trying to pull me back, to say, no, I'm going to take that and I'm going to use it as fuel to go after what the enemy is trying to do, not only in my life, but in a lot of people's lives. And I believe my past and being open with that, just like your past, and you being open with it is going to give you a platform and a position because Jesus now is in the center of the throne and he is being adored and he's being exalted. He's receiving all the praise from all the ages in this moment. But the thing that gave Jesus his position and gave him the prominence and gave him the power in this moment was the past that he had experienced. 
His past gave him the prominence and his past gave him the position and his past gave him the power. So don't you believe for a second this morning that your past is going to keep you from the position that God is dreaming about for your life. Or the prominence that he wants to give you with your friends, the influence that he wants to give you on planet earth. Don't you think about that for a second. And here's the last thing on your notes. It'll, it's actually your past that is going to give you the position and give you the prominence because you've got a story to tell. Yes, there was disappointment. And yes, there was a real, true loss. And yes, there were wounds. And yes, maybe there was a lot of failure. But I've got a God who's overcoming all. And his name is Jesus. And guess what? He's a chain breaker. He was and he is and he will always be the one that sets the captives free. He overcame it all. And I'm in him. And I am overcoming with him. And here's where I'm heading. It says, I'm going to reign on the earth with my king. So don't you believe for a minute when somebody says, I can't stand, you know, all the Christian hype. Our hope is a billion miles away from hype because I can stand with confidence and say the best is yet to come. Because my future and your future is you're going to stand not in the center of that throne, but you've got a reservation. You've got a place at the table with your name on it. You've got a seat at the table with the king of kings, and you have an invitation to the wedding feast of the lamb. You get to join in with the four living creatures. You get to join with the angels and you get to join with the elders who bow down and you get to sing the heavenly song and you get to stand in the place and say, worthy is the lamb who was slain to now receive all glory and all honor and all blessing and all power and all wisdom and all strength from this time and forevermore. The future worship of Jesus was brought by the past pain that he endured. And we've come through that story with him. And that's where we're going. Come hell or high water in Christ. That's where we're going and nothing can stop us. Let's pray. Jesus, we give you this moment. We give you this time. God, and we just offer up this morning every chain of our past that holds us back. God, doubt, wounds, just our own failures, all of it. And we lay it at the cross this morning. God, we thank you that we can look forward to what you've already done, the finished work because of what's in your past. And God, we can step into a new future and new life with you. So this morning, God, we lean into what you say about us. We lean away from the voice of the world that's told us that we're not enough, that we're not good enough, that we're... <laughs> anything but what you've said that we are. God, when we step into the truth that you've called us as sons and daughters and you've declared us as your own and your future for us is good and it's full of purpose and it's full of life, God, we step into that this morning. And if you haven't prayed the salvation prayer before this morning, if you haven't accepted Jesus into your heart, we want to give you that opportunity this morning as well. You're hearing this message and you're hearing about a God that um, sent his only son to earth and he's come as a rescue. That's for you. And you're watching this broadcast, this, this uh, online service right now, and I believe Holy Spirit's just whispering and he's speaking. There's something in you that just is saying, Today is my surrender day, and we're going to pray this prayer together. This is all for you. 
and heaven will rejoice from just one praying this prayer. So let's pray this together. If, that, if you're feeling that tug in your heart this morning, let's pray this. You're going to repeat it after me. And the, here's the thing. I'll give you the words, but you've got to give it the heart. All right? So Father God, I give you my life. I surrender my life for yours. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross, for giving your life so that I can have new life. I grab a hold of that today and I step into your plans for me. In your mighty name I pray, amen and amen.